Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today we have another great guest here on the show. I have my good friend, Kyle Livingston. Now, Kyle, interestingly enough, he was abandoned as a 12-week-year-old baby from losing 160 grand on his own money in a failed company. Now, Kyle knows what, what fa failure looks like, feels like, smells like, like he's lived a dream, right? He was what I call a serial failure. Um, however, what's interesting is that he didn't take his misfortunes, okay, uh, determine his attitude in life. And what I love about, and we were just talking offline actually, and it was interesting because I, you know, I really can feel people's energy because I'm really into energy, as you guys know. But more importantly, from the lessons that he has learned over the years that he's been in business, and he's built now three seven-figure bricks and mortar businesses, which I, I tell you what, in this market is like really tough in this day and age. He's also helped nine other businesses go from black into red. So that's profitability, just in case you guys didn't know. Um, and his big mission as a business coach and consultant is to take it's to turn chaos into profit. So that's a really cool thing. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about how to recession-proof your business. Now, what does that look like? Because interestingly enough, like the world is really going through some interesting times right now. And I wanted to get Kyle on here purely because he's kind of like lived through that, right? He's lived through what failure is and that kind of stuff. And I really kind of like what we're going to be tapping into is I'm really going to tap into understanding his mindset, but also his um, like his emotional um, energy as well, like what he was thinking when he was going through those certain uh, bad times, right? Or bad luck, whatever you want to call it, right? And we're also going to dive in about when to walk away, because it's one of those questions where when you might be working on a business or a project or an activity, right? And you're so like committed, like I know that as entrepreneurs, especially for myself, like I can be so committed but sometimes things just aren't working out the way they should be. So there has to come to a point where you're just like, hey, shit, I need to walk away, right? Um, so we're going to be talking about when to walk away. I'm going to get um, Kyle to talk a little bit about um, the best best advice that he has for clients going through the current economic turn, uh, turmoil um, and what his best advice for that is. And I'm also going to be talking a little bit about um, what he's actually done in terms of transforming some of the com uh, companies and businesses that he's currently worked with, like what was the mindset? Like what was the game plan? We didn't go through into that. So, um, so without further ado, Kyle, welcome to the show. Man, thanks for having me on. That was one of the best introductions I have had. So thanks for having me on, man. I'm real excited to pour into your audience and really help them um, navigate these uncertain times as we move into this, the big R word, the recession. Some businesses are going to make it and some are not. And I want to make sure that your audience, if they're in a business, that they're the ones that make it through. So, yeah, it's a good point. And it's interesting because, do you know what? And even though, like, you know, the world is going through some really funny times right now with a with a so-called recession and stuff, it kind of feels a little bit like deja vu with COVID and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like some mm -hmm. people like really got battered in there, um, but then others kind of really thrived. Um, this kind of feels a bit different. I mean, what's your take on that? So I think in any downturn of any kind, right? Like COVID was a downturn in production. 
Um, you know, and I think going into this next season, you know, I'm not an, I'm not an economist. I'm not like this guy that's but <laughs> going into the next season. There's definitely going to be some shifts. There has to be like the world is cyclical. And if you believe in cycles, like we we're due for a downturn mm-hmm. economically. And um, I think it's twofold. One is it's going to leave a lot of customers and a lot of clients orphaned in the marketplace because the business that they were going to get their services from is no longer around. Right. And so it's going to leave a lot of people who aren't going to make it through as a business, all of their customers are going to need to be picked up and adopted by somebody. Mm. And I really like that for, for those of you listening, I want that to be you because the other side of that is the businesses that go and actually get those clients. Um, an old email copywriter, a uh, direct response copywriter had, I think it was Gary Halbert. He said that people walk around with their umbilical cord in their hand, <laughs> looking for somewhere to plug in. It's so true. When you have customers, you have customers that you're servicing in a particular way. They've plugged in that their umbilical cord to you. And the moment you're gone, they're wandering around the marketplace trying to find somewhere else to plug into. And so if you're a business and you're listening and you're like, man, I don't want to lose things through this next, uh, these next turmoils. What you can't do is you can't constrict. You can't think smaller. You can't go into a hole like, I'm just going to wait till it's over. Because if you wait till it's over, it's going to be too late. So if the goal is to make it through the recession, then you have to go out there and you have to begin expanding. You have to have a solid foundation operationally and you have to go out and start swooping up as many of these orphan clients as you possibly can. Yep. Love it. Some very cool stuff. So I want to like really jump into the deep end here. Okay. Because Mm -hmm. one of the things that we mentioned in your bio, when you had lost 160 grand, which I mean, seriously, that, I mean, that must've hurt, right? Tell us a little bit yeah. more about that, right? What was the business? First of all, like, yep. what? tell us a little bit more about the business first. Yep. So it was a commercial construction company and we actually would go out and we would build cell phone towers in the most, some of the most remote locations in the United States. So we'd construct, build and maintain cell phone towers. And um, it was a brick and mortar business. Obviously we had trucks, employees, people, insurance, payroll, all the whole nine yards. Got it. And um this was actually my fourth brick and mortar telecommunications business that I had started. Oh, the first one, home run. Second one, home run. Third one, home run. Fourth, all the home runs meant nothing because I poured all the money into that and lost it all. Oh, okay. um, and it was very, very, very painful for me. And it almost ruined me as an entrepreneur. So, okay. That, that brings me into a really interesting question because normally like people's failures normally come at the beginning of their journey, right? But you had three successes. So tell me, what did you do differently from what you did previously that you felt, you know, looking back at it, right? Was there something that you mm-hmm. did differently compared to what you did like during that time? Before I started all of it, the mistake that I can attribute this to was my ego was too big going in. Got it. Right. So initially, my ego was just too damn big. I've done this three times. My shit doesn't stink. I'm going to knock this one out of the park too. And um, with my upbringing, I, ca- I grew up and had to have this resiliency and this like thick skin, if you will, growing up. Mm. And so that was really what helped me get fir- through the first three businesses and do really well. And um, the fourth business, because my ego was so big, I missed a lot of the p- things that I really should have been paying attention to. Like the biggest one was when things started to go wrong, I was un- I did not know how to diagnose the problems in the business. Okay. And so as we got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, the problems became more hidden and they were 
um, I, the, I call it, it's kind of vulgar, but like the bodies were buried in places that I couldn't see. And so we had issues and bugs under the rugs and places that I couldn't see. And I didn't know how to find them. And that was what kind of led to the demise was I wasn't trying to figure out the problems that were going to keep the business in the long term. I was so in the weeds of the day to day and all the issues that I was running into. I was just trying to figure out how to make payroll on Friday. And like next week didn't matter because if I didn't make payroll Friday, this didn't matter. I understand. So it was kind of like, I suppose, in a way, micromanagement versus a little bit of ego, a little bit of kind of ignorance kind of thing. Is that would you would you say that's a good summary? Yeah, 100 percent. 100 percent. I just wasn't a good business owner. Like, I'll be honest. I was a horrible business owner. I was a great technician, terrible business owner. Yeah, that's that. Do you know what? That That's really interesting. And, you know, I love it when people kind of ha- put their hands up and, and say, you know what? I'm not perfect. Right. Because we're not all perfect, right? I just want to put that out there. Right. Um, right. When you were going through that transitional phase, like, so that time in your life, um, I want to, like, tell me a little bit about, like, why, what was, you, what was you thinking? I mean, I know that you described about the fact that mm-hmm. you wanted to make payroll and stuff, but I really kind of want to dive in, like, what was your, like, day-to-day thinking, you know, through your habits and stuff? And how was you feeling emotionally, based around the, the fact that maybe one week you might not like make it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I was actually in a really bad emotional place. Um, so much to the point where I was so stressed out and overwhelmed. Um, we were, we were out getting some groceries and we're walking back into our house one day. And um, the way that we operated was we had a lot of like the uh, the team living with us. We had these large houses all around the country that the teams would live in. And so I'm walking into this nice, big, giant house in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I remember walking in and I'm not feeling well. And all of a sudden, boom, I hit the ground. Whoa. And I completely black out. And I remember saying as I'm blacking out, like, I can't feel my hands. I can't feel my hands. I can't feel my hands. And I'm out. The next thing I know is I'm being rushed away into an ambulance and uh, the gentleman that lived down the road, I, I remember seeing him. His name was Andy. I remember seeing Andy for a split moment and blacking back out. And then I actually remember waking up in the hospital about 18 hours later, all plugged in with all these EKGs all over my chest. And I remember seeing my wife at the time, girlfriend, for a few moments and thinking like, what's wrong? What's going on? And I blacked back out. I woke up the next day. And what had happened was my central nervous system literally shut down. It was like, you're too overstressed. You're too overworked. You're not taking care of yourself. And my mindset, man, it was like, as vulnerable it is to say, I was in a really bad place to where like, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to do anything. And it it had gone wrong from day one. And I was so focused, like you can't see the forest through the trees. And I was so focused on, like, I literally couldn't even think about two weeks away. And um, it was pure chaos. It was pure, I lived on pure adrenaline. Um, like I'm, I literally, I'll have a 40,000 payroll due Friday, supposed to get paid Monday from a contractor, didn't get paid. Now I have four days to come up with 40 grand. And like, that was kind of the cycle that I was in, in this last business for the better part of nine months. And so like, I didn't have any habits. I didn't have any routines. I didn't have any of the things that kept people sane. And that was one of the reasons I collapsed. Um, looking back at it though, it's like, man, if I would have just had some frameworks to run my decisions through. I would have taken all of the problems and all of the emotion out of making my decisions. Mm-hmm. And so I was in a very emotionally driven, unsatisfied 
fearful place throughout that time. Mm. It was kind of like a fight or flight, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know what I mean? Fight or flight. You, you, you oh, kind yeah. Of fight for survival type of thing. Yep. So yep. when you were when you were sitting in the hospital and, you know, you had this kind of like realization where effectively the whole world has collapsed, where I guess you, that's probably where you felt, right? You, you felt that the whole mm-hmm. world has kind of collapsed. Yeah. What, what were you thinking when you were sitting in the hospital bed and and kind of like, what was going through your mind at the time? Like, how are you going to pick things up? I mean, you know, what, what, was, what was you thinking at the time? Is it worth it? Mm, good question. Is it worth it? Um, I grew up, like I mentioned earlier, in quite a rough environment. And so mm. I've always had, I've always kind of made my own money since I was a child. Right. Um, partially because I had to, partially because I wanted to. And so I remember I was 23 years old at the time, or I'm sorry, 25 years old at the time, 26, somewhere around there. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, dude, like I've been doing this for 10, 11, 12 years, like already, like, is this actually worth it? Mm. Is it going to get me to where I want to get to? And every scenario I played in my head, I, I couldn't make it worth it. I couldn't make it worth giving up the hours and the time and everything that I was giving up. And so I, I, I really just wanted to reevaluate, is this in alignment with what I want out of my life? And, you know, I'm a believer, call it God, universe, energy, whatever you want to call it. I'm a believer. So for me, it was God's way of telling me like, Hey man, you're on the wrong path, going the wrong direction. And if you don't stop, I will stop it for you. Mm. And, um, everything from day one was a reminder that I'm on the wrong path. And I just refused to listen. Got it. We had a guy, I'll tell you this quick story. We had a guy, uh, hired him. He was a good friend. He'd worked for me for a couple of years and, um, I promoted him, gave him this really big role in the business as a manager. And we all flew out to Albuquerque together. And about a week goes by and this guy just disappears. And I knew him and his, you know, his, his wife were having some, some marital issues. So I couldn't get hold of him. I'm calling him. I can't get hold of him. Nothing. I assumed he just picked up, drove back to California to, to fix things with his wife. That's what right. I assumed. Mm-hmm. I'm in bed about three nights later and all hell breaks loose downstairs, man. Like what the hell's going on? And we had some guys living with us as well. And um, so I'm getting my robe on my boxers. I'm running down the stairs and it just gets louder and more chaotic and crazy. I'm like, what is going on? And it's probably two in the morning. This guy that had disappeared three days later decided he was going to go on a meth bender, bender, just complete for the next three days, do meth. And that was big in that industry, right? It was a, a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol, kind of par for the course of that industry. Hmm. And he's crawling through the freaking window of his old bedroom that he was in. And there's another guy sleeping in there and he's crawling all over this dude <laughs> at three in the morning, ripping his phone apart saying, man, I think they're after me. They're chasing me. And this is day seven of this new business. Holy crap. And it was like thing after thing after thing happened very similar to that. So like I knew I was on the wrong path, but for me in that hospital bed, it was confirmation of like, all right, this is not the direction you should be going. Mm-hmm. You need to figure out another vehicle. It's do your own thing, but find another vehicle. Love it. And how did that, I mean, I know you're married now, you know, you've got a mm-hmm. wife and you've got kids. I think I'm, I'm sure you got kids. Um, how did that, like when you, with your, I, I think she's, she was your girlfriend back then, but how did mm-hmm. that affect the relationship between you guys? Like, was it really bad? Like, was the chemistry really yeah. bad and stuff like that? Yeah, man. Um, it got to a pretty bad place. I mean, we had the conversations of like, should we even be doing this together? Right. And um, 
it affected intimacy because I was so in the business, mm. just trying to save things. I wasn't anywhere else. I wasn't taking care of my health. I wasn't taking care of my wife, my relationships, nothing. And so it affected a lot of things to the point where we had to have that conversation. Like, where are we going? Do we stay together? Do we not? And part of the conversation of getting it out of that vehicle and getting into a new vehicle was what do we want our life to look like? Mm. And so we actually sat down and wrote down, what do we want out of our life? And then we wrote industries and professions and things that we could do for, to fit that, that direction. Instead of saying, Hey, this is what we do for a living. How does our life fit into that? And so that's when kind of everything shifted and my whole world got turned on its head. And, uh, over the next year and a half, we bought an RV, gutted it, remodeled it, traveled the country, and just <laughs> figured some new stuff out, man. Love it, love it. Well, f first of all, I just want to say, I know that, you know, me looking at you and, you know, and, and, and connecting with, uh, connecting the way that we're connecting right now, I, I can see that it's really affected you. So I wanted to, like, yeah. share, like, my appraisal for your vulnerability. I uh, just wanted to, like, put that Thank out. Because I know sometimes it can be very difficult to relive that experience. But I guess I know that there are people here listening where, they may be in a position or they've been living in that position where, but I really kind of like, you know, really wanted people to get a perspective. Does that make sense? Like our listeners to get a perspective. So I hope that you guys that are listening at home again, again, are getting a real perspective of, of the depth of the conversation that we're having today with Kyle. Um, I wanted to ask you a real quick question, actually, because I know that you've now traveled country and stuff like that. And you now run your own businesses, which is great, you know, and you've got some great credentials. Um, what was like, I, I guess my next big question already is based on your experience from your previous business mm -hmm. and, you know, doing your current day-to-day -day operations and working with clients and stuff, when do you know, is the time to walk away from something? When do you specifically know? Is there any kind of like pointers or is there any mm -hmm. gut instinct? I mean, what, what do you tend to use? What are the kind of like guiding mechanisms or uh, kind of like red flags, if you like, uh, to tell you that it, it's just ready to walk away? What's your thoughts on that? So I got a couple of things that I want to unpack here because that's a big that's a big decision for a lot of people. Right. I think the first red flag to start looking into something is when you wake up in the morning and you go, shit, I don't want to do this. <laughs> You know, and there will be times when you wake up in the morning going, shit, I don't want to do what we're doing today. Right. But it's just part of the day. It's just part of the business. But when you find yourself consistently waking up, like, I just don't want to do this anymore is when you need to start looking and figuring out why, because it may simply be, there's a couple different reasons it could be here. People talk about like lack of vision and more often than not, I really don't think it's a lack of vision. I think it's a lack of depth perception is people have this goal of 10 years and in 10 years, it seems realistic, but in two years, it's not. And they have it at two years. And when they don't hit it in two years, the depth perception is ruined because they think they can get it in 10 years or in two years when it's realistically it's 10. And so adjusting the depth perception of the business, knowing that not all moves are today. Some moves are nine months out. Some moves are three, three years out, et cetera, et cetera. Fixing that depth perception and saying, is what I want actually realistic and possible for where I'm going? Um, and I'm a big dreamer. I love setting big goals. So don't take it that way. Um, so, so vision and depth perception is one. Um, the other side is vehicle. And for me, this was 
this was my deciding factor. I was waking up daily going, man, I really don't want to do this. And then obviously hitting the ground gave me a wake up call. Um, but for me, it was the vehicle was, is this vehicle going to get me to my goals? And is it going to get me there in the timeline that I want it to? Mm. Um, a mentor broke it down to me like this. He goes, look, man, you're trying to go up an incredible four wheel drive path on a mountain. He's like, and you're coming to me in a freaking Honda Civic <laughs> asking me if I can take you to the top of the mountain. And I'm going to tell you, I can't because you're in a Honda Civic and you need to be in a four wheel drive Jeep. So go find yourself a four wheel drive Jeep and come back to me. And when you're ready to drive the corresponding vehicle with the corresponding path, then I can take you to the top. And since then I've coached hundreds and hundreds of people. I've worked one-on-one -on -one with over a dozen clients just in the last couple of years doing this. And it's, it's so true because you, your vehicle, you could do a business that does 10 million a year, right? At a 3% margin. And it'll never get you to your goal. Right. Um, I was having a good conversation, a good conversation with one of my best friends and um, he owns a window tinting business and he does really well. He lives in San Diego, does really well in window tinting, but he has these big goals way up here, these big goals and aspirations. Like window tinting is only going to get him halfway. Right. You know, it's like, it's never going to bridge that gap. And so for me, I had to determine in telecom, we would do three, three and a half million that year at an 11% margin. Not that good. And so my dreams and my goals and my aspirations, I would have to do 50, 60, hundred million to hit my goals. So I readjusted wrong vehicle, right place, still a wrong vehicle. So I had to go and I actually had to build an entirely new vehicle so I could make sure I got to where I wanted to go. Love it. It's a, it's a good metaphor. I like that. Some, some good stuff there. Now um, I know that we're kind of like coming towards the end of our conversation, but I've got sort of a, a couple of more questions if if i may yeah go ahead man fire away my, my 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 next question really is like what's the best advice that you have for businesses that are that are really beginning to struggle during the economic times you know i mean they're you know you, you mentioned around vision which is great and the vehicle which is which is mm -hmm. kind of cool but you know i i really see a shift in the market now you know there are some businesses like uh, you know, that some businesses that are really holding back on terms of their marketing budget, you know, uh, downscaling, whatever it might be. But what's your best advice for some of the listeners out there that maybe finding it a bit difficult in the current climate right now? So the first thing I always tell people to audit is it's not necessarily the intention, like what you're doing with your money. And here's, here's what I mean by that is make no mistake about it. We are getting ready to enter a time of war. In my opinion, we are getting ready to enter a time of war. Okay. And in time of war, all of these cultural nuance of like, like, is my, are my employees happy? And like, like, obviously you want happy employees, but like the, the emotions and the cultural things and the, uh, the fluff that has kind of been added to the tops of businesses and the fronts of businesses that isn't actually business is going to go away. Like in through this recession, you're going to start seeing people like, I do care about my employees, but I also care about my bottom line. And this whole, like, you got to have impact. You have to have bottom line. Like impact does not exist if you're losing money. And so I think the one thing that we've mistaken over the last eight, 10 years is there has been just an army of people beating the owners into submission 
that they need to put other people's needs before theirs and before the business and before, no, your business is first, your profits are first. And if you can take care of your employees and get them happy and taken care of and uh, financially stable along the way, that's, that's the byproduct. But a lot of this cultural offense of, and fluff is going to have to disappear for a lot of businesses to continue to thrive. And just, so to your audience, if I had to distill it down to one thing is like, do pay more attention to the bottom line than you think you should have to pay. Cause that's, what's going to carry your business and drive your business. Like I was actually having a conversation with a client and he's very impact driven, huge heart, heart the size of this room, very impact driven business. Wasn't making money. And I'm like, man, I can't help you make the impact you want to make if I can't make you money. So let's come in and rehabilitate the business. Let's get you very, very, very profitable. Let's stuff your bank accounts full of cash and then go impact however you want to impact. But right. let's start with what's actually the, the, the fulcrum to all of it, which is being profitable. Love it. Some good stuff there. Some really good stuff. Um, what's your, when you sit down with clients, so say, say for example, we've got a distressed business owner comes to you and they want to engage with you, right? You know, they're in a bit of a shitty place or whatever it might mm -hmm. be. What's, what do you, where do you start from? You know, like what, what is, do you have a particular framework or how does the conversation start when it comes to trying to help them uh, get, navigate or whatever it is they're trying to get done? So there's two different types of people that come to me. And depending on the person, as I, I use a different framework, there's a type of person who's doing really well in their business. It's, it's scaling and they need help to scale. There's the other person that's like, man, I'm struggling. I'm starting to go downhill. I need, I need help. And so we'll start there. What I'm looking for is the trigger to when things started to decline. Mm. What was the moment in time? Show me graphically, draw it out for me when things started to decline or, or just took an even kilter because at that point, recession's declining you anyway. So like right. when did things stay even or start breaking? And I actually start to look for things within the person's life first, because what I have noticed is businesses 10 times out of 10 are struggling because of the six inches between the owner's ears. Every single time without fail. It's not an operations issue. It's not a sales issue. It's the six inches between the owner's ears that's preventing them from actually growing. And so I start there, what's the time in your life that things start to, to, to fail? And then I start and I, I actually start from that point with a time study. Where are you spending most of your time in the business? Um, I have a rule that, that a, a business owner should never be doing more than five things within the walls of their business. Yes, you can take out the trash. Yes, you can do everything else in your business. But if you're not doing the five things that move the needle, then you're leaving money on the table because someone else can be doing those things. Right. And so I'm doing a time audit of their life and I'm figuring out where are you spending your time in your business? And more often than not, we come to find out that they're spending times, they're spending their time on things that's not going to grow the business. And when they made that shift and started to go down, that's when things started to really, really become troublesome for them because they're not spending times in areas that got their business to the place that they're at today. Love it. Love it. Love it. I suppose my, my, my last question before we wrap up is I know that <laughs> I know that there is uh between, I suppose, Europeans and Americans, we have a very different, I suppose, what's the word I'm looking for? I suppose a different attitude to what failure is, and mm -hmm. and um, you know, the, I, I my belief is that I believe that a lot of Europeans fear failure, right? Oh, yeah. Um, whereas Americans, 
you know, you know for you guys, you're kind of like, yeah, bring it on, right? Mm-hmm. What's your take on it? Do you know, you know, what is what's your take on the whole kind of, you know, for the guys that are listening in that have this kind of like fear of failure mindset type of mm-hmm. thing? What advice have you got for those people? Two, two, two things to this as well. First off, you're who else are you impacting by being afraid of that is the first question I'm asking myself. Right. If I'm afraid of failure, am I making promise by water and the next day at work too afraid of failure to commit to those promises that I made her? So the first thing I'm going to really look at is like, where am I making promises that are in, miscongruent? Um, the next thing I actually have a really simple exercise and the way that I do this exercise is on a piece of paper. I'll write down the worst case scenario. Like if I did fail, what would happen? Am I living under a bridge? Am I claiming bankruptcy? Am I eating dog food out of the the dumpster at night? Like what's the worst case scenario and be realistic. Like I would never be eating out of a dumpster, regardless of how bad my life got. There's somebody that's always going to give me a warm meal always. Right. I'll probably never really be homeless. You know what I mean? Like I would have to like go get an RV or something and go like, but what's the actual worst case scenario. And if you go through all of that and you get to the end of that, it's not that bad. I'm okay with that. You sign that to yourself, you fold it up somewhere. And anytime you start to get a little like fearful of, of failing, you open that paper up and you say, Hey, I've already told myself that I was okay with these consequences. And I've given, I've given myself my future version of myself permission to fail. Because if it were to, if I were to fail, I'm okay with worst case consequences. Now, if I get to the end of that list and I'm not okay with some of those consequences, I'm just simply not going to move forward because what'll happen is those, that fear of those consequences will be the thing that happens at the end of whatever it is that you're doing. So if you're going to start a new business venture or you're going to start a new marketing campaign or you're going to do a new um, whatever, a new relationship with someone, run through that, run through that model. And if you can say, yeah, I'm okay with all, all 37 of these things, if they were all to happen and I didn't get the result, I would be okay with that because the result is risk versus reward. So I kind of break everything down into that, but I also make it a future contract with myself saying, hey, in the future, I can't be fear. I can't be fearful because I've already agreed to this. Right. That's a good, that's a, I like that. That's a re, I've never heard of that the way it's been done, but I'd like the way that you've um, articulated that in a nice way and um, the whole kind of worst case scenario. Yeah. So um, for you guys that are listening, I hope, listen, I know that Kyle was dropping some really big value bombs. Um, I know that there is a lot of things that we've gone through today and there's a lot of like groundwork and stuff like that. So um, I hope that you've been enjoying our conversations it's been really deep, you know, and um, Kyle's really, you know, really poured into into your glass in terms of like today's particular topic and things like that. Um, Kyle, um, just kind of like wrapping up and stuff like that. Yeah. If some of the guys that are listening in, if they want to, if they want to maybe get into contact with you or whatever it is, what's the best way that they can, they can do so? You can find me on all the socials. It's either seven figure Kyle or Kyle Livingston, depending on which platform. But I think the best thing that I would love to do for your audience, Adam, is all of the templates that we've used for all of these businesses from daily reporting to analytics, like to all the unsee stuff that goes in a good business. I've actually built out templates and everything that we use that I would love to just give your audience for free. Typically I charge between 12 and 15 K for these templates. 
I would love to just give them to your audience. It's fortifiedtoolbox.com. So fortifiedtoolbox.com. It's totally free. Go in, grab all those templates that are relevant to you. Like if you have a sales team or if you have whatever, grab the templates that are relevant to you. They're, they're, they're all open source. You can do whatever you want with them. Um, but that'll give some of these businesses some infrastructure to start getting a lot of this data that we need. Like when I, when I work in businesses, if I don't have this data, I can't make the decisions. And so if you're a business owner right now and you don't have the data, you don't have the infrastructure, grab these templates because it'll help you actually get the data you need so you can make some actionable decisions and not get lost like I did back in 2016. Love it, love it, love it. it that that that's really cool, and I really we greatly appreciate that. What we'll do, guys, uh, for you guys that didn't uh, don't have to rewind this back and quickly get that website. What we'll do is we'll pull the links below anyway, so that you can check those out. It will save you from uh, from from doing that. So, uh, for, so I just want to say thanks very much to you, Cole. You've been an awesome guest on today's show. Uh, so I just want to say thank you very much, sir. Yeah, no problem, Adam. Thanks for having me on, man. This is great. And for you guys that are listening in, I hope that you've enjoyed today's conversation. Do me a favor. If you've enjoyed our conversations, give us a one or a five-star review over on Apple or on Spotify. We'd greatly appreciate it. And we hope to see you again on the next Game Changers experience. Take care, and we'll see you soon. Cheers.